Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Okay, let's see here. Today is 17 December, which is Sunday. It's uh, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. Just a small little congregation today. Half of us are gone out on the, uh, heading around the country and visiting people, and we've got lots more people leaving for next week as well. So, yeah, but maybe we'll have some coming into the warmer climate, so that'd be nice. Um, I want to thank my friend Arlene, who from time to time sends me a bandana, and she sent me with penguins all over it. And so it's kind of fitting with the colder weather we've been having. It has warmed up a little bit from last week, but uh, uh, I so much appreciate the bandana, and it's very cute. I was at Publix this morning, and the girl says, oh, that's such a cute bandana. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then I want to remind the folks online that we have the Feasts of the Lord uh, sermons going on right now. We did the Sabbath last week, and we are starting with the actual annual feasts this week. And we'll be doing Passover and Unleavened Bread, two feasts in one week because they're conjoined. And you will learn a great deal about what the Lord is doing in redemptive history if you watch these Feasts of the Lord sermons. I would encourage you to do so, and uh, you would find out something that most people um, are misguided on, they're misled on, is that the fall feasts of the Lord are not yet fulfilled. They'll be fulfilled in Christ's second coming. That is untrue. They're all fulfilled in their entirety in his first coming. They're feasts of the Lord. They're a part of the law of Moses. The law of Moses is done. It is annulled. It is set aside. It is obsolete according to the book of Hebrews, and it is nailed to the cross according to Paul. So it's something that people are misdirected on. There's a lot of confusion in the uh, Christian circles because of the Hebrew Roots movement, which has poisoned people to understanding the truth of the Feasts of the Lord. That does not mean that the Feasts of the Lord will not continue to be observed. For example, the Feast of the Lord called Sukkot, or Tabernacles, will be observed in the Millennial Reign of Christ. Okay, There are certain things that will be observed, and they are commemorative after their fulfillment. Okay, just like I have a birthday, and then after that I have birthdays which commemorate the day of my birth. Okay, people need to get their doctrine straight on this. Uh, One of the things that people say is that the Feast of Trumpets, which it's not actually called the Feast of Trumpets, that's incorrect as well. They call it Rosh Hashanah, that's not correct as well, except in modern Israel because it's the head of the year. But those things will be discussed during that sermon. They say that's a picture of the rapture. Rapture is going to happen on Rosh Hashanah. It's not a picture of the rapture. It's very clear what it does picture, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know, these are very interesting feasts, and you will learn a great deal, and you will clear up a lot of confusion when you watch them. So, we'll go on. I have somebody to highlight all the way from Australia. His name is Graham Henderson. He's in Kalungur, Queensland, Australia. And he says he lived with his wife so far for 20 years. Her name is Anita, and she's from Kansas. She lived in Kansas and Missouri. And both are active in the kingdom. Anita leads women's retreats. I volunteer in a prayer ministry and at a local special assistance school two days a week. It's Christian-based, but no real Christian input, he says. The teacher actually boards with us during the week as he's a two-hour drive away, so it saves him the drive back and forth. We are both strong Christians. We have seen the entire class of troubled young teens open up to the gospel with a couple professing Christ. We were challenging the entrenched worldview and causing them to question their own presuppositions about life and their response to God. 
We use outdoor education and wilderness camping to help with them to reevaluate their lives. It has resulted in an amazing transformation for them as they are now much more self-confident. Amazing what God can do in the lives of these young men. In the early 80s and in the 90s, I attended a conservative discipleship training organization called Cornerstone Community, where I received basic biblical instruction and fundamental Christian doctrine and worldview. I've continued to make discipleship and evangelism the main activity of my life and work. It's merely Work is merely how I support myself to do that. In my third career, computer and IT repairs and consulting, I run my own business, and my other two careers were motor mechanic and pizza shop manager, which I would love. I love the updates, and I am now an avid sermon watcher, too, which is the whole point of doing these Prophecy Updates, is to get people to want to watch the sermons, because that is where the heart of God is. Prophecy Updates are temporary, they last a week, and then you'll never watch them again, then the information is transitory. But the uh, sermons are they are my heart, and they are timeless, okay? That is, that is the word of God, and it is God speaking to us. And to be able to evaluate it is the most wonderful thing. And he closes out saying, um, I certainly hope to come visit for a few days when we're in the USA next year if we can get some cheap flights from Missouri to Florida. So we'll hope that that happens, and he comes down and fellowships with us. Okay, and then I have our uh, first category is Israel, and I entitle this The Right to Exist. And I am not going to have an Islam section today because you're going to see I have quite a bit of Islam tied in with the Israel section. So we're going to skip over that and we're going to have a very long Israel section. And it's going to be a little different than you're used to. A lot of interesting information. First, from the WhiteHouse.gov, I took a portion of Mike Pence's speech to the UN General Assembly. And I have just a portion of it. You should read the whole thing. It's very long. We'd be here for an hour reading it. But it is marvelous what he said. On November 29, 1947, the General Assembly gathered in this great hall and passed Resolution 181, calling for creation of the Jewish State of Israel. Now, to be clear, Israel needed no resolution to exist, for Israel's right to exist is self-evident and timeless. Now, this is our Vice President speaking to the UN General Assembly. He said, nor did that resolution create the state of Israel, for Israel was born of the sweat and the sacrifice of the Jewish pioneers who risked everything to reclaim their beloved lands with, in those well-remembered words, with a plow in one hand and a rifle in another. They turned the desert into a garden, scarcity into plenty, and an age-old dream into reality. And I've said this a million times, there was Zippo in the land of Israel until the Jews moved back in. The few Palestinians that were there were mostly Jewish people. And out of there, they were the majority in the land. And then there were other groups of people in this land that was called Palestine. Okay. But the Jews were always the majority there. You go back and read history. Oh, I think we have some more of that coming. And these other groups that had no intention of doing anything with the land, because if they did, it would have been done. They had 2000 years to do it. But when the Jews started to move back, they made the desert blossom. They brought the land back to life, and they did it with their own sweat and their own blood. He goes on, and their striving and their sacrifice laid the foundation for what took place in this hall 70 years ago. And only six months later, the Jewish state of Israel was born, answering the ancient question first asked by the prophet Isaiah. Can a country be born in one day? Can a nation be born in a moment? 
It happened when on May 14, 1948, Israel declared the national right of Jewish people to be the masters of their own fate, like all other nations in their own sovereign state. There he stands in the United General Assembly citing the Bible and saying that the Bible is fulfilled, saying that the Bible is literally the word of God. Okay, you understand what he's doing there. He is going in the face of everybody that's denied these things. While Israel was built by human hands, it's impossible not to see the hand of heaven leading its people, writing their history and the restoration of this ancient people to their land of their birth. In fact, the God of Abraham told his people, even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there I will gather you and bring you back to the land which your fathers possessed. It was an ancient promise cherished by Americans since before our nation's founding, and it was a promise the Jewish people clung to throughout all the ages, through a 2,000-year exile, the longest of any people anywhere. Then they were rewarded for their faith. As President Trump has said, Israel is a testament to the unbreakable spirit of the Jewish people. Go read the whole article. You will be blessed by it. I chose that section because it's directly relevant to what we're talking about. Our next article is from a website called the Napoleon Series. They have all of Napoleon's words, all of his letters, everything on this site. Here's what it says. Letter to the Jewish nation from the French commander-in-chief Bonaparte. Translated from the original 1799. Now, this is Bonaparte who wrote this to the Jewish nation. General Headquarters, Jerusalem, 1st Floreal, April 20th, 1799, in the year 7 of the French Republic. Bonaparte, Commander-in-Chief of the Armies of the French Republic in Africa and Asia, to the rightful heirs of Palestine. He's writing from Jerusalem when he set his feet down there. Israelites, unique nation, whom in thousands of years, lust of conquest and tyranny have been able to be deprived of their ancestral lands, but not of name and national existence, acknowledging that they are a people, okay? Attentive and impartial observers of the destinies of nations, even though not endowed with the gifts of seers like Isaiah and Joel, has long since also felt what these with beautiful and uplifting faith have foretold when they saw the approaching destruction of their kingdom and fatherland. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Isaiah 35 verse 10. Arise then with gladness, ye exiled. A war unexampled in the annals of history waged in self-defense by a nation whose hereditary lands were regarded by its enemies as plunder to be divided arbitrarily and at their convenience by a stroke of the pen of the cabinets avenges its own shame and the shame of the remotest nations long forgotten under the yoke of slavery and also the almost 2,000-year-old ignominy put upon you, and while time and circumstances would seem to be least favorable to a restatement of your claims, or even to their expression, and indeed to be compelling their complete abandonment, it offers to you at this very time, and contrary to all expectations, Israel's patrimony. He's saying, this is your land, now is the time for you to take it back. The young army with which Providence has sent me hither, 
led by justice and accompanied by victory, has made Jerusalem my headquarters and will, within a few days, transfer them to Damascus, a proximity which is no longer terrifying to David's city. Rightful heirs of Palestine, speaking again to the Jews, the great nation which does not trade in men and countries as did those which sold your ancestors unto all people, Joel 4, verse 6, herewith calls on you not indeed to conquer your patrimony, nay, only to take over that which has been conquered and with that nation's warranty and support to remain master of it, to maintain it against all corners. He's calling them back to the land of Israel. Come, I'm giving you this land. Arise, show that the former overwhelming might of your oppressors has but repressed the courage of the descendants of these heroes who alliance of brothers would have done honor even to Sparta and Rome. He's citing Maccabees twelve fifteen. But that the 2,000 years of treatment as slaves have not succeeded in stifling it. Hasten, now is the moment which may not return for thousands of years to claim the restoration of civic rights among the population of the universe, which had been shamefully withheld from you for thousands of years. Your political existence as a nation among the nations and the unlimited natural right to worship Jehovah in accordance with your faith publicly and most probably forever. Joel 4 verse 20. Of course, it wasn't the Lord's times. They were still under punishment for having crucified the Lord, rejected his word and his Messiah. And we know that they were restored on 14 May 1948, exactly as the Bible predicted in Ezekiel chapter 4. If you know the calculation, it is to the day. Jerusalem fell 19 years after Israel was exiled. And guess what? Exactly 907,200 days or 19 years after 14 May of 1948, Jerusalem was recaptured by Israel on June 6, 1967, exactly as the Bible said would occur. Okay, the calculation is valid. It stands. It was discovered after, not before the uh, return of Israel. We're not to use the Bible for predictive prophecy. We're to use it for understanding fulfilled prophecy. But it is a valid calculation right out of the Bible and It wasn't time for them to be returned, but he understood the right of Israel to the land. He understood the right of Israel, a people to be a people, and he was insightful in his analysis of that. Okay, so I thought I'd throw that in to show you that this lie that has been thrown upon the world has been a lie for a lot longer than most people understand. So even the extra books in the Catholic Bible... Well, he's just citing that. The Maccabees, what it is, yes, the extra books in the Catholic Bible are what are known as the Apocrypha, and what they are is a history of the Jewish people. They're not canon. They were never, never considered canon by anybody. Jerome, who translated the Old and New Testaments in the Latin Vulgate, said, these will be canon over my dead body. They were not canon up until the year 1546 at the Council of Trent, when the Catholic Church, in a knee-jerk reaction to the Protestant Reformation, said, we're going to make these canon because they have things like purgatory. They have things like, um, uh, you know, you pay indulgences for purgatory and all of these other things that the Catholic Church was profiting off of, which the Reformation said, this is wrong. This is unscriptural. And so they came out and they passed this at that time. That's the answer to that. But yes, I wanted to make sure people know that the Catholic Bible does contain the Apocrypha, as do some uh, Um, Christian Bibles, they'll put it in there. If you want the Apocrypha, you can buy it online. And the original King James Version had it in there. It was inserted right in between the uh, the 1611 King James. It was in between the Old and New Testaments. So it's, it's a matter of history. 
like the pseudepigraphal books. You've got the book of Enoch and you've got the letter of Aristius and all of these ancient documents, which are historical and they give us valuable information, but they are not canon. So we need to be very careful what we know is canon, what isn't. But they point, they all point to the Jews being in the land, being a united group of people that deserve the land and that are the rightful heirs to the land. So there you go. From our Shiva, Kuwaiti writer. What country did I just say? Kuwait. There you go. Kuwaiti writer. There is no Palestine and no occupation. A Kuwaiti writer recently, and this is just a couple weeks ago, said that Israel was an independent and legitimate sovereign state and that there was no occupation, but rather a people returning to its promised land. The writer Abdullah al-Hadlak made the comments in an interview which was broadcast by the Kuwaiti al-Rai TV, right on Kuwaiti TV. Al-Hadlak also called for a three-way alliance of Israel. Arab Gulf states and the United States in order to annihilate Hezbollah. When the state of Israel was established in 1948, there was no state called Palestine. He knows his history, said Al-Hadlak. Like it or not, Israel is an independent, sovereign state. It exists and it has a seat at the UN and most peace-loving and democratic countries recognize it. The group of states that do not recognize Israel are the countries of tyranny and oppression, The state of Israel has scientific centers and universities, the likes of which even the oldest and most powerful Arab countries lack. So Israel's a state and not a terror organization. He's making a logical deduction on it. There is no occupation. There is a people returning to its promised land, insisted Al-Hadlak. You are aware that the history of the Israelites is ancient, predating Islam. Therefore, we Muslims must acknowledge that the Israelites have a right to that land and that they have not plundered it. The people who say that it was plundered are still thinking in the mentality of the 1950s and before. Why shouldn't we live in peaceful coexistence with Israel and cooperate with it against my great enemy, which is the Persian regime? I support the establishment of a three-way alliance consisting of Israel, the Arab Gulf states, and America in order to annihilate Hezbollah Beyond recognition. Anybody heard that on CNN lately? No, I didn't think so. (laughs) Times of Israel. The what? Or Fox. Or Fox. Yeah, Fox is done. Fox is done. They've been bought out by Disney Channel, which is as liberal as it can be. Fox is done. All right. You want the proper news, you got to search for it, and you can watch the Prophecy Update every week, and I will try to get you stuff that is valid, okay? I'll try my best. Times of Israel. In sign of gently warming ties, Bahraini. What country? Bahrain. Bahrain. Thank you. Bahraini delegation visits Israel. A delegation of religious figures from the Gulf Kingdom of Bahrain has arrived in Israel in order to send a message of peace. In an extremely rare instance, does anybody really believe that Trump did the wrong thing? Do you think that the Arab, and I'm not talking about the the non-Arab world, uh, the non-Arab Muslims like the Persians, and they all are in agreement with what happened. They just can't say it openly and accept by individuals at this point, but it is coming where this alliance will stand with Israel. They won't support them during the war, but they will not fight against them. And this is, the Bible says this specifically. We'll go on. It says, um, representatives from an Arab country without diplomatic relations visiting the Jewish state. 
The trip seemed to signal a further warming of ties between Israel and Bahrain, which a report earlier this year, which we reported on, said that are on a path to normalizing diplomatic relations. The delegation is in Israel for a four-day visit. It's over now, meant to send a message of religious tolerance and coexistence. Like Israel, Bahrain has extremely fraught relations with Iran. And the September report from the Middle East Eye website quoted an unnamed Bahraini official as saying the establishment of ties between Jerusalem and Manama could help counter Iran. Iran is the problem. Everybody knows it, especially the Sunni Arabs. From Newsmax, report, U.S. won't recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital on official documents. We have a State Department that is utterly out of control. Utterly. The State Department stance on the issue has raised outrage among some lawmakers who view it as a way to undermine President Trump's declaration. The president is the commander in chief and America's sole organ when it comes to conducting foreign policy. Article two of the Constitution does not vest this authority in bureaucrats in the State Department. The State Department must permit Americans born in Jerusalem to list Jerusalem, Israel on their passports and must follow the logical implications of that historic recognition in other policy areas. The issue becomes thorny as State Department officials maintain details like the exact location of Jerusalem was up for debate. One official stating it was quite a complex issue that would continue to be studied. This is why we need the swamp drained, and this is exactly why we have the person in our history at the right moment to be selected. God made no mistake in what happened this last year when, when uh, Trump was elected president. No mistake at all. We have a wonderful thing going on here. These people will end up out on their ear. I, I, I just can see it coming unless they do something to our president, which we need to continue to pray for him continuously. Pray for our president that he is kept safe from these people. From Wynette. Pope warns of Jerusalem's spiral of violence. He's on completely the wrong side of everything. This Pope in particular is on the wrong side of everything. And that's why they got rid of the last one. You know, they made him retire. He said he was voluntarily doing it, but he disagrees with all of these things. I'm not trying to side with him on any way, shape, or form. I don't agree with the uh, doctrine of Catholicism at all, but... Uh, we have somebody in here who is a communist, who is a uh, you know a globalist, and he is setting an agenda, and he's speaking against the very word that God has given us. You know, the Vatican says Pope Francis is praying so that leaders of nations commit themselves to work to avert a new spiral of violence over Jerusalem. A new spiral of violence? This has been going on for years after years. They've been lobbing bombs into there and killing those Jews for just continuously. Where was I over Jerusalem and is expressing sorrow for the clashes in recent days that have produced victims? All of them, all of them were initiated by the Fakistinians, every single one of them. In a statement, the Holy See recalled Francis's appeal for wisdom and prudence, which we had when Trump made his decision to prevail, and it reiterated its position asserting the essential need for respecting the status quo of Jerusalem, which has done nothing but cause death and destruction. The statement says only a negotiated solution between the Israelis and Fakistinians can achieve stable and lasting peace and guarantee the peaceful coexistence of two states, which the Bible, let me read you this. I cite it from time to time, and today I'm just going to take you there so you know I'm not just making stuff up. We're going to go to the book of Joel, and uh, let me see if I can find it. Hang on one second here. 
Hang on, Joel 3, verse 1. They're talking about peaceful coexistence and nothing happening by this peace deal they're talking about. Joel 3, 1, it says, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, now, now in history, 1948, 1967, until today, they're still coming back, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, which is the valley of where the Lord judges. And I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel. My people in my land is what that means, okay? Whom they have scattered among the nations, they have also divided up my land. And that's coming soon to a, a uh, Antichrist declaration near you. We'll be out of here because we're pre-tribulation believers, which is what the Bible teaches. And they will sign a peace deal with Israel, peaceful coexistence, which will not last very long. And the Lord will bring all nations into judgment because of it. Okay, this man is working against the word of God. The, uh, the statement says... Only a negotiated solution between Israelis and Palestinians can achieve stable and lasting peace and guarantees the peaceful coexistence of the two states within internationally recognized borders. It calls Jerusalem a sacred city for Christians, Jews, and Muslims from all over the world. There's only two of those that consider it a sacred city or that actually have a right to consider it a sacred city. That is Christians who are based on their faith in Christ, who is the fulfillment of the Jewish law, and the Jews who are waiting for their Messiah and they'll find out that they have missed him and that he's coming back to rescue them after two-thirds of them have been destroyed. But the Muslims have no right at all to the land. Zippo. Okay, I'll tell you something. I say this from time to time too. I don't want to get too windy, but who is the owner of the Temple Mount? I'm going to tell you who it is. The deed is recorded in the Bible. David bought the Temple Mount from Arauna, right? It's recorded twice, actually. The guy's name is Orna in one and uh, Arauna in another. It's recorded how much he spent for it. It's a recorded deed, which is a valid document according to any legal jurisprudence. It is recorded in there, okay? Now, David is the rightful heir. He was of what tribe? Judah. Judah. That's right. He was of the tribe of Judah. Okay. Now, in A.D. 70, the Jews were dispersed. And what was destroyed in A.D. 70 along with their dispersal? The temple. And what was recorded, what was kept in the temple? All of the genealogical records of the people of Israel. All of them. There is one genealogical record of the Jewish people which has been maintained for 2,000 years. It is recorded in the books of Matthew and Luke. He is of the tribe of Judah. He is the son of Judah, and he is the rightful heir of the Temple Mount. No other person can make claim to it. How do we know he is? Because the Bible also tells us that he was crucified, which means that he would lose his title. No, he came back out of the grave. He died for our sins, not his. He is alive forever, and he is the owner of of the Temple Mount. It's logical. You just think it through for two seconds. The recorded deed is right here. The genealogical record is recorded right here. Jesus owns that Temple Mount. That is who owns it. And just to clear and connect all the dots, the destruction of the Temple was after those books were written. The destruction of the Temple was after those books were written. That's correct. Don't get too long with me because I can't I remember what you're saying. But, <laughs> but uh, yes, that is correct. The Say it again. The, the destruction of the temple was after the recording of those books. That is correct. So anyway, now I've lost my train of thought. But anyway, Jesus, Jesus is the one that owns the Temple Mount. And that is what we need to remember, is that 
It is recorded in the Bible and that it belongs to him. The Jewish people are his people and he is coming back to rescue them. That's the important thing there. Okay, here we go. From uh, Christian News today, I would like to tell you that Isaac, who we had, uh, I I mentioned the GoFundMe account that he had set up for the um, building of a school over there for the orphan children. He takes care of a lot of people over there. And he does more than any person I have ever seen. Anybody that's on Facebook with him knows this. Every single day he's posting the progress of what he's doing. And I will include some of the photos of the school that's being built. He's been sending me photos all along. We've got the, we've got the property. We've started digging out the foundation. We've started laying the bricks, etc. He's been doing this. And I'll just show you the walls are about this high now. He sent me this past week. Because the entire amount was met, one person gave $7,000 towards it out of 9000 It was fully funded, okay? A lot of other people helped out as well, and I want to thank you for that. But he sent me a this week a complete set of receipts for every penny that he has, every penny. I got 52 bags of concrete. I got 80,937 bricks, and then he shows them being delivered. He has every single thing listed by if you ever have somebody that you want to help, that you want to support, that you want to say, I want to do something good for poor people in Africa, you email me and I will give him your, uh, I will give you his email address and you can help him out and you will be doing wonderful things. This is not a shaky cause. This guy gets to work. He's had a piggery project. Little pigs come in, inoculates them. All the other pigs in the country die because of a virus. And what does he do? His live. And he's been giving them out to people. He takes pictures of every person that gets a pig. And then they come back six months later with their big pig and lots of baby pigs. And I'm telling you, this guy is, he is outstanding. I'm, I'm almost in tears talking about the work that this one man does for the sake of Christ, telling the gospel, passing out Bibles. It is astonishing. So please know that your money was well spent. It wasn't frittered away, and he is accountable for every penny, every penny that he gets in, everything. And if somebody wants to send him just something and say, hey, listen, take your, if he's married, I don't know. I, I don't think he is. But if you want to take your family out for a Christmas dinner or something, you better tell him. Because if not, it's going into the ministry. He will not spend it on himself. So understand that if you want him to benefit personally, do that. Oh, and while we're at it, it's almost Christmas. And I know I'm not talking about the, the birth of Jesus on December 25th. But we talked about before the, the, um, the uh, service started actually what 25 December signifies. And we'll get into that in the Feasts of the Lord. So I'm not going to give it away now. But I will say that um, I want to thank everybody that has helped out this ministry over the past year. I said it at Thanksgiving. I will say it again next week if I remember, but I don't want to not say it now. We have never asked for a thing in this church. We've never passed a plate. The only thing we've ever asked for is for somebody else, Isaac in Africa or, you know, a room over in Pakistan or something. And yet the Lord has had this church stay open. And I'm so grateful for that. I cannot tell you what that means to me because... It, it, it is just an honor to be able to preach. It's all I want to do. I keep my uh, wastewater licenses up just in case the bills don't get paid. But I never want to go back to wastewater. As much as I love that business, I love, love preaching the Word of God. So thank all of you very much. Um, we'll go on. From Mail Online, the Archbishop of Canterbury warns churches must learn to embrace complex modern families. Justin Welby said the Church of England schools now have a myriad of children. He supports the idea that different forms of families can provide a stable home, implying directly that gay marriages are okay for children, etc. Non-married people, and so there you go with that. Mail Online, Cambridge University colleges hold new chapel services for gay and transgender. 
Cambridge universities, okay? Christians in a bid to be more inclusive, King's, Trinity, and St. John's colleges are holding new inclusive sermons. Reverend Andrew Hammond of King's wants LGBT XYZ Christians to encounter God comes after, they're not going to encounter anybody except Satan by going to these churches and seeing what's being taught to them there. It comes after Church of England issued new school guidance for encouraging of trans children. No Islam today, so on to Mongolia. From Aki Press, couldn't, I really scraped the bottom of the barrel this week. I mean, there was not much Mongolia news, but Ambassador of Mongolia delivers his credentials to the Grand Duke of Luxembourg. I didn't know there was a Grand Duke of Luxembourg, so I'm learning something. Uh, Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary of Mongolia to Luxembourg, Ook, delivered his credentials to the Grand Duke of Luxembourg, Henri, in the Luxembourg Palace on December 7th. Ambassador Ook expressed his gratitude and conveyed the greetings from the president of Mongolia, whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. After the ceremony, the parties had a tete-tete, talking about relations and cooperation of the two countries. Ambassador Ook expressed Mongolia's interest in continuing joint projects to improve cardiology center and improve skills of employees in banking and financial sector with non-refundable aid of the government of Luxembourg. In other words, thank you for the free freebie that has helped us pay for our cardiology center, etc. So, very good stuff there. On to Daniel 12 technology. Mail online. I tell you, this is really wonderful because I have a bad back. You know, sometimes it gets really bad and sometimes it's okay. Today, it's just perfect. But uh, single 10-minute treatment cures back pain in more than 80% of sufferers. I was thinking of this when we were talking to Tony yesterday, but I couldn't think of what it was. With no side effects, study says, after 10 minutes of gentle electrical energy in the spine, 81% were pain-free. Some 90% were able to avoid surgery, which is what Tony is going for next, to relieve their pain after a single session. One session, you can avoid surgery. We go to the projects every Saturday. We pray with people. We talk with them. And we've got some guys with very bad backs. And one of them yesterday says, I've got to have surgery. And we all told him, don't do it. You know, Tom's brother had surgery. And he has suffered for it ever since. He was much worse off after the surgery. My grandfather was a doctor. And he says, never Never go under the knife unless it is absolutely necessary, okay? But he's talking about it. Maybe this would help him. Lower pain occurs when nerves are pinched, making the spine restrict. This reduces space between the discs, but relaxing the muscles relieves it. There you go. Good stuff. Mail online. End of the hearing aid. This could be wonderful. And people absolutely deaf may be able to hear again. You know, you talk about prophecy kind of being fulfilled through medical reasons, Um I uh, have somebody that was related to me once who was completely deaf, never heard a sound in his life. You know, you, I, I read these articles quite often on mail online, people that are colorblind. They've never seen color in their life, and the reaction is always the same. They have these glasses they can put on that will correct for colorblindness. Every single one of them, when they put those on, breaks into tears. Oh, yes. Literally, old men, young children, they, they, it's so overwhelming that they literally just stand there and break into tears. Imagine a deaf person who's never heard a sound hear Beethoven's Ninth oh. Symphony, which Beethoven didn't hear because he was deaf when it was finished, right? It's, it's astonishing what is coming. Here it is, end of the hearing aid, tiny 3D printed bones. We have three bones in our ears that are defective. You won't ever hear. 
They can now 3D print them. They could be implanted into the ears of deaf people to help them hear. Experts used CT scans of cadavers' ears to create a 3D printed prosthetic. The three fragile bones in the middle ear can be replaced with resin replicas. Surgeons were able to correctly match the devices to their intended recipients. The technology may offer the key to helping deaf people hear. And I tell you what, I wish we had one of these that we could print up for people referred to in Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, because how many spiritually dead Christians are there in the world? Seeing they will not see and hearing they will not hear. I know I'm misquoting that, but uh, let me read it to you. Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, just so you know what I'm talking about, because you'll go home and you'll forget which verse I was referring to, but Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. And I wish that we would have one of these for these confused Christians that pick up this word and they have so many presuppositions that they never learn what the Lord is actually trying to tell them. It says, uh, and he said to them, go and tell this people, speaking to the Jews, but it pertains to Christians just as well. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Like I say, that's specifically written by Isaiah to the nation of Israel, but we have the exact same problem in the church. Exact same problem. I wish we could 3D print something to put into somebody's head and say, this is what the Lord is trying to tell us with this beautiful word of God. Willful blindness. Yep. Like the Church of England and all these other churches we read about week after week. Print something off for them. Mail online. This is very, very interesting. Attack strategy of falcons. I've said this a million times. You want to know what to do in the real world with technology? Go to nature. Right? Attack strategy of falcons is being used by the U.S. Air Force to build the ultimate drone killers. Researchers at Oxford University obtained a bird's eye view of falcons in flight. They put a GoPro on its back and they monitor it. Okay, Their attack trajectory followed a mathematical guidance law. Oh, that evolved, didn't it? Right? That evolved right into that bird. Okay, uh, mathematical guidance law. This is the same law used by military to steer homing missiles to their targets. This is something that's been going on for thousands of years since the creation itself. These birds have had this in them. It just happened to evolve, right? No way. It relies on what happens to the missile's line of sight as it chases its target. If line of sight doesn't change as range closes, it means its missile is on track. Well, they know that birds have had this all along, and they're using that now to build great drone killers because drones move, whereas missiles usually go at something that isn't moving or is going very slow, whatever. And that's why doing things like the... um, Patriot missiles that get other missiles out of the sky was very, very complex work because you have to have one going at another trajectory, which is moving at a very high speed. It was something they did not think that they could do, and yet they have done it. And we can now knock things right out of the sky. But we have something at the end of the article, which we can't knock out of the sky. So remember what I just said and say, you're wrong. Okay, here we go. Revelation plagues today. UN warns of drug-resistant germ risk brewing in nature. I brought this up before. It's uh, being warned by the UN. Having worked in wastewater for so many years, you dump your old pills into the, uh, the toilet, you are killing, killing the environment. And half the time when you take them, the coating doesn't dissolve, and it goes right through you anyway. So here we go. The UN warned of a ticking time bomb of drug-resistant germs brewing in the natural environment aided by humans dumping antibiotics and chemicals into the water and soil. If this continues, people will be at an even higher risk of contracting diseases incurable by existing antibiotics from swimming in the sea or other seemingly innocuous activities. 
around the world, discharge from municipal, agricultural, and industrial waste in the environment means it is common to find antibiotic concentrations in many rivers, sediments, and soils. It is steadily driving the evolution of resistant bacteria. A drug that once protected our health is now in danger of very quietly destroying it. A well-known problem is misuse or over-prescription of drugs, which enable bacteria to develop resistance that blunts frontline treatment. We all know that. But the new report will deepen concerns for it highlights a largely unacknowledged and poorly researched factor, environmental pollution, that contributes to the resistance problem. We may enter what people are calling a post-antibiotic era, so we can go back to the pre-1940s when simple infection, which will become very difficult if not impossible to treat, Bacteria that survives antibiotics can transfer genes which confer drug resistance directly between one another. The genes can can be passed. They left off the word B. Somebody was asleep when they typed this on to future generations or mutate further in the germ's DNA. Today, about 70 to 80 percent of all antibiotics that humans take or give to farm animals to prevent them from falling sick are excreted back into the environment partly through wastewater and agriculture. So the majority of those hundreds of thousands of tons of antibiotics produced every year end up in the environment. So the logic is, if you didn't understand that, you go swimming in there and your body builds up an immunity because of the antibiotics that are in that water. And now when you get sick or get a little cut on yourself, there's nothing to cure you because your body has built up an immunity against what is in the environment. It's very scary stuff that is coming soon to a tribulation period near you. The world is going to be very, very scary. So we want to be out of here. No Jesus. Morality. I want to tell you something. There is something that is so disgusting. I've been seeing it for the past week in articles. It is so disgusting. I can't tell you what it is. I can't even say it. But I want you to know that in a couple of years, I'm going to be reporting on this every week. I just want you to know there's something that people are doing to themselves that is so revolting and so perverse. And I've seen it a couple of times this week. I went back and I looked at the oldest article I could find, and it's only a few months old. Okay. But I want you to know how quickly this world is devolving. I can't even tell you. So don't ask me afterward because I'm not going to tell you what I've been reading because I read so much stuff. It is absolutely revolting. And in a year, maybe a year and a half, we're going to be having a regular prophecy update talking about this. Anyway, Telegraph. Genes linked to homosexuality discovered by scientists. Do you know they did a study several years ago? I was listening to Rush and they did a study on the inner ear bones. Speaking of inner ear bones of women that are lesbians and they said they're smaller than other uh, women. And so they've confirmed that lesbianism is an inherited trait or something. Right. Okay. Where would you go to to hide something and you say, I've made a, a study and I've confirmed this. You'd go to something like the inner ear because nobody can verify that. It would take them forever to verify it. So they just throw stuff like this out. Now, I have a point at the end of this, but they've said that they have found a gene in DNA that proves people are gay. I'll give you my comment at the end. Genes linked to homosexuality have been discovered by scientists in the biggest study ever into the genetic basis for sexual orientation. For the first time, researchers looked at the complete genome for more than 1,000 gay men and compared it to genetic DNA from a similar number of heterosexual males. They discovered that DNA was different for gay and straight men around the genes SLITRK5 and 6. Number 6 is an important gene for brain development and is particularly active in a region of the brain which includes the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is crucial for producing the hormones which control sex drive, and previous studies have shown parts of it are up to 34% larger in gay men. 
Here's my thought on this, okay? What is what is the primary uh, tenet of the evolutionary models? Because these are all evolutionists that come up with this stuff. The primary tenet of the evolutionary model is called survival of the fittest, okay? What is it that happens when two men are gay? Do they have children? So then that means, by default, if you go by the evolutionary model, they are defective. They are not super or something. They are defective. Okay, so by their logic, gays should be eliminated because they're the ones that are also promoting the euthanasia and all of these other things. I'm not saying that we should euthanize gays. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, or cure them or whatever. Okay, they... That would be their argument, and so they have nothing to stand on because this is a defective gene according to what they have found, supposedly. Okay, the second thing is, even if this was true, even if it is a defect which causes men to be gay and it was part of the human genome, it does not change the fact that God has spoken that you are not to do this. People have proclivities towards alcohol abuse. People have proclivities towards uh, whatever, Whatever perversion we can think of, we all have proclivities towards them. But God says, do not do these things. It doesn't, nobody says you must have gay sex. Nobody says you must sleep with your neighbor's wife. These are things that we voluntarily choose to do. So either way, the argument is invalid. Everybody got that? It isn't, so don't ever let anybody tell you, oh, they found a gene that is, says that being gay is okay. They're born that way and it is natural. It doesn't matter. Whether you are a Christian or whether you are not a Christian, it is a defective thing and it is not to be condoned within the society. That is what the Bible teaches or what evolution, if it was true, which it's not, but if it was, that's what it would teach. I am not condoning people going and killing gay people. I didn't say that, so please don't let anybody twist my words. Okay, we'll go on. Mail online. Mysterious condition dubbed scrometing hits weed smokers across the U.S. and causes them to vomit and scream. Okay, this is really bad. I've reported on this before. It now has been given a name. This is something that by taking too much uh, marijuana, it causes this thing. Remember I told you it was an update about a year ago? These people, the only cure that they have is they go stand in warm showers for hours and hours. And this is because of marijuana. The last line of this will give you exactly the point that I'm making. Scrometing is becoming an all-too-familiar sight at emergency rooms. Medical experts believe the symptoms appear from individuals using or consuming heavy amounts of marijuana over a long period of time. Doctors note that the condition could stem from the body being oversaturated with cannabinoids affecting the hypothalamus. Dr. Amy Molin, here's, here's the whole point of this, said she has seen a rise in cases since California legalized recreational marijuana last November. What do you think? What do you think? You go saying we're going to make this legal and all of a sudden everybody says, oh, well, let's go out and smoke pot all day long and they have a rise in it. And they say, well, I wonder why it's happening. Right. You know, I couldn't believe it. One time I had this on my prophecy update uh, about six months ago. I talked about marijuana, that they're getting stronger and stronger and stronger strains of it to the point where the body can't even handle the hyperness of the strain. I actually had Christians or supposed Christians posting on the wall defending this. You don't know what you're talking about. Marijuana is OK. Don't ever email me with that kind of nonsense ever. This is not something that if you want to have medical marijuana that is prescribed, that is something that is very heavily regulated, I have no problem with that. But anytime you let your 
guard down in a society. First it's this, and then it's this, and then it's this, and it's going to be exactly what the book of Revelation says. The whole world is going to be under this opioid epidemic and this this pharmacia. Yes? Absolutely. Absolutely right. Chemical lacing could be involved in it. But you know what? These people are suffering and there will be no treatment for them at all during the, the uh, tribulation period. So I, I, I don't understand. If somebody wants to go smoke marijuana and it's legal in their states, go ahead. Go ahead and do it. That is your choice as a free citizen. But if you suffer the consequences, all we can do is say, we told you so. This is what the science is showing us. And you want to smoke pot? Blow away, folks. All right, college fix. Brown University, I love this. This is one that was debated. Should we allow this or not? Because you think about it, it really harms the people that it's supposed to be helping. And here it is. Brown University to allow students to self-identify as persons of color. Yeah. Now, this is what that girl, Rachel Dozel, wanted to do. She wanted, I'm self-identifying. And the news for the first couple days was having her on there. And they were saying, yeah, this is a great idea. And then they suddenly thought through the ramifications of this. If I can self-identify as a black, I now have all the rights of the blacks. And they're the ones that are saying that, no, 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 no. We have the special privilege in this country. It, it completely is against what they want in this agenda. But now they have done this in a college Here we go. The policy comes as a result of complaints made by graduate students on the advisory board that international and Asian American students are not treated as members of historically underrepresented groups by the university. One graduate student said this decision has led to institutional invisibility for these students. Brown defines historically underrepresented groups as American Indian, Alaskan Native, African American, Hispanic or Latin X and Native Hawaiian and or Pacific Islander. That's all of them. That's all of the people that they have categorized. The school's diversity initiatives are intended to benefit members of these groups. When pressed about the change to the graduate school application, specifically how the operation to self-identify as a minority differs from the standard ethnicity queries on other college applications, Clark gave no response. Other universities allow students to identify a certain way in order to qualify for admissions or receive various benefits. The University of California, Davis, awards financial grants to students who identify as LGBTQ, LMNOP, or as an illegal immigrant. So all you have to do is say, I am a person of color now, and they have to identify you that way. And it is harming the people that those things were supposed to help, because anybody can say that and they can get all of the benefits. Okay? Why people can't be happy with who they are as individuals, whether they're black or whether they're brown or whether they're white or whether they're red-skinned, they ought to be happy in it. Christ is the Christ of the nations. He's the Messiah of the Jews. And he loves all people. All right? We ought to be celebrating who we are. That's what we should be doing, not worrying about what we could be to get financial benefit from a college. All right, let's go on. Other, or uh, net neutrality this week. Anybody know that? You know what? Most people don't know what that is, and I wasn't really sure about it either. The only thing that I know, he says it's good. The only thing I know is that the Democrats passed it overwhelmingly, and Trump pushed it. And that means, I'm sorry, our our previous president pushed it, and that means it must be bad. And when Trump came in, he wanted to get rid of it. There's a Republican majority in this FCC now, and so they got rid of it. And now that it has happened, I've read on what it is, and yes, it is a very good thing. It will get rid of this monopoly of these big people that are all lefties. The entire point was to have the lefties take care of us, 
with this, you know, they're going to lead us into this higher realm. Well, that's not going to happen now. So good stuff. And another one, you see that uh, uh, Trump did away with the climate change is no longer a national security risk. He passed that a day ago, too. All right. He did away with that. That is the largest wealth distribution in the history of the world if it had gone through and he has done away with it. So here we go. Good stuff Um, from The Verge. Former Facebook executive says social media is ripping apart society. 100 percent. No civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation and mistruth. And I can tell you that you want to know if that's true or not. You get it behind the keyboard and you don't like somebody you can tear them apart so easily because you don't see them. We never did this in the past because we had to look at people in the face and talk to them. And nowadays, people just tear each other apart and then you get what's called trolls, right? They get in there and they, they hide behind a fake identity and they start saying things about, oh, pre-tribulation rapture is a heresy and you're going to hell and they'll post these things on your YouTube video. Or they'll come in and they'll say, well, you're stupid because you don't think that Calvin is correct. And these, these people would never do that to anybody's face because they're cowards, But this is something that has happened is that social media has torn apart our society in a way that we never would have expected. You have to be very careful when you get on a social media to use it for God's glory and not in any other way. Because if you let any other way creep into your life, you will take the human side and you will start tearing people apart. You know, I've had many people on Facebook do that to me. Right. They're all my friends. They friend me on Facebook and, oh, I love your update. And then one little thing that they don't like. And all of a sudden you're a heretic and they start posting bad stuff and bad reviews about you everywhere. And and listen, I only get a few thousand hits a week. Think of these guys that are out there getting 50 and 120,000 that are strong, sound Christians getting torn apart. Right. Torn apart because of some troll that doesn't have the guts to stand up and talk to somebody to their face. Absolutely crazy. Anyway, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that this is the way it is, and that's absolutely right. This guy was an exec up there, and he realized what was going on, and he got out of it. Okay, Mail Online. Everybody know who Pierce Morgan is? He's kind of a lefty over in England, right? And he, he, he doesn't have a lot of good to say about anybody, but listen to what he said here. I have to agree with Pierce Morgan. It's true. We've never, capital N-E-V-E-R, had a president like Trump. He actually keeps his promises. No wonder the liberal media can't stand him. Thank you, Pierce Morgan, for recognizing at least that. Stars and Stripes. This is the Stars and Stripes, the military paper. Report 44,000 unknown military personnel stationed all around the world. The U.S. military has more than 44,000 troops across the globe that the Pentagon claims it cannot track. We're not at a point where we can give the numbers other than those officially stated. They have no idea. Now, some of them will be covert. We've got two, 3,000 here and there that are covert operations, but we've got 44,000 people they can't account for. You know, one guy posted under that article in one of those little comment sections. He says, I'm one of them. He says, I've been in Laos for 35 years getting benefits. And he says, I'm ready to come home. Send me a ticket. He was kidding, of course, but very funny. Okay. uh, Sarasota Patriots, SRQ Patriots. This is Beth Colvin's paper that she, if you don't get it, ask her to send, put you on her list. She mails it at srqpatriots.org, I think it is. She's got great articles. Great stuff. Listen to this. U.S. Marines test all-male squads against mixed-gender ones. All-male squads against mixed-gender ones. And the results are bleak overall. Now, this is Beth Colvin, so I can't get in trouble for saying this because she's a female, right? Okay. 
All-male teams and crews outperformed mixed-gender ones on 69% of tasks evaluated. All-male teams were universally faster in each tactical movement. On lethality, the report says all-male 0311 Rifleman Infantry squads had better accuracy compared to gender-integrated squads. There was a notable difference between the genders for every individual weapon system within the 0311 squads except for the probability of hit or near-miss with the M4. All male infantry crew squad weapons teams engaged targets quicker and registered more hits on target as compared to gender integrated infantry crew served weapons teams with the exception of the M2 accuracy. Now we need to remember that we have degraded our military and the proof is right here. I'm not saying that women are not to be in the military. I served with many really wonderful women, but they were not in combat roles And now we have put them in combat roles, and we will be degraded because of this. I'm going to go on. All-male squads, teams, and crews, and gender-integrated squads, teams, and crews had a noticeable difference in their performance of the basic combat tasks of negotiating obstacles and evacuating casualties. For example, when negotiating the wall obstacle, (laughs) I won't get into that one. Anyway, male Marines threw their packs to the top of the wall, whereas females... Marines required regular assistance in getting their packs to the top. So somebody is in combat, and they now have to stop to help somebody else. Now, I'm not talking about a wounded person that you're naturally going to have an affection for and start helping him to to save his life or whatever. We're talking about deficiencies in the military because of this type of thing. It goes on. The females had to get help with it. During casualty evacuation assessments, there were notable differences in execution times between all male and gender-integrated groups. Groups, except in the case where teams conducted a casualty evacuation as one Marine's fireman's carry of another. In other words, you put him over your shoulder and you carry him. There was no difference. Why? In which case, it was most often a male Marine who evacuated the casualty. The women said, just take him. So that's the only reason why it was brought up to the same level. The report also says that female Marines had higher rates of injury throughout the experiment. Very, very bad stuff. We never should have allowed this. Okay, we'll go on. From the sun, Vlad's Sea Monster. Russia launches deadliest super sub that can fire nuke missiles further than its U.S. rivals. Just, just out. Brand new sub. The Kinyaz Vladimir is capable of launching 16 ICBMs, which can lay waste to cities up to 5,778 miles away. That's a very dangerous sub right there. And then here we go. I said this was coming from the star. Russia confirms 6,000 mile per hour hypersonic Zircon missile is ready for war as of today. Head of the Defense Council, Viktor Bondarov, confirmed the Zircon cruise missile is now available in Russia's arsenal. The weapon, which Russia boasts is capable of Mach 8, was last tested back in June. I reported on it then. Hypersonic weapons are at the center of the next arms race between the U.S., China, and Russia, and it appears Moscow has already taken lead as they boast the weapons that can beat NATO missile interceptors. In other words, we cannot shoot it down. It is so fast. That's what I was speaking about. We have nothing that can stop them if they want to annihilate us now. Okay? From the Kremlin... That's who Kremlin uh, puts out their own publication. From the Kremlin, in Egypt, Putin recruits support for Russia, Turkey, Iran roles in Syria. From the Kremlin, in Turkey, Putin promotes joint energy trade Syrian affairs. 
And from the Kremlin, in Syria, Putin pledges joint restoration role with Iran and Turkey. Gog Magog, all over it. Exactly what Bob said before we started today. We are so close. You see Libya included in this, and I've been doing articles on Libya, and I've got more to come. But when you see Libya actually being a participant with them, you better know that things are very, very, very close, okay? And they are. Libya is in the works. I've reported on that. Russia's down there working with them. It's just they have to have the impetus to actually be a part of this thing. We are really close. Okay, got a Lesserick for you. This is from him and his wife this week. They can call themselves black, red, or brown. Being white is most certainly down. Doesn't matter what's fact. We must proceed with tact, lest their choice make them look like a clown. There you go. Okay, and before we get to our irony of the week, I want to remind you of Sergio and Roto's video, which will be linked, and it's very good. It's on Hanukkah this week, and it's got a very famous musician that many of you may know that he went to a concert with him, and he was able to meet with him afterward and talk to him. And uh, if you haven't heard of this guy, he comes up on my YouTube mix all day. I, all day long he comes up, and he, he does wonderful music. So it's a great video. Please watch that. And then from Mail Online. Russian Soyuz rocket fell to Earth after getting lost because technicians forgot to tell it where it took off from. (laughs) And that tells me, you know, last week we reported on the 23 satellites or whatever that were going towards the Israel satellite. Maybe it wasn't a mistake after all. (laughs) Anyway, such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia and Kalangur, Queensland, Australia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.